you're listening to Good Hustle, a podcast about bad teams. I'm Andrew Mackey. For our premiere episode, we're going to be focusing on a team that is near and dear to my heart, the 2003 Detroit Tigers. Full disclosure for the series ahead, I want to let everybody know I am a Detroit sports fan. I was born just in time to not remember the 1984 World Series. I lived through the Dead Things era where Mike Illich, the owner of the Red Wings, was giving away cars to try to get people to come to games. I remember the Bad Boys Pistons and the Teal era Pistons which was the exact opposite of what the bad boys were. I've experienced a Hall of Fame once-in-a-lifetime running back in Barry Sanders, and I've watched literally every game of a 0-16 football season thanks to the Detroit Lions. So I know many of you out there can relate to these feelings and fandom, and even the good teams can too. We're going to cover underachieving in the worst possible moment, also on Good Hustle. So I want everybody to sit back, relax and i'm going to share with you for our first episode personal pain of mine the story of the 2003 detroit tigers chapter one the worst team of all time without a good excuse the tigers in 2003 are one of my favorite teams of all time they came within one game of tying the record for the most losses in a major league baseball season and for those of you who don't follow sports baseball's been around for a really long time and detroit has been around since 1901 as a franchise so when this season takes place the tigers are actually in their 102nd year one of the things that you've probably heard people talk about with sports teams is the idea of tanking or rebuilding. So what that means is you're bad on purpose because that means that the way that the the draft system works in sports is that we reward bad teams by giving them good players coming out of college or high school or however that system works. To give you an idea in your sort of everyday life, it would be like if the star student at Harvard Law School on his way to becoming Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States had to first do a run at the ambulance chain firm that advertises on the back of the yellow pages in your local town. In fact, this system has been proven to work. Houston Astros actually uh, tanked for a few years and then they developed all these great players and now look at them, they're on top of the baseball world. The reason some teams do this is because they don't think big name stars are going to sign with them. They're not going to come there. So you got to trap them in the draft. The 2003 Tigers though, they weren't tanking. They, they weren't exactly good. They weren't exactly trying, but they weren't tanking. They had just built a brand new ballpark. They were trying to usher in a new era of Detroit baseball. And by 2003, the Tigers haven't had a winning season in almost 10 years. That means they've finished with more losses than wins. The general manager of this Tigers team is Dave Dombrowski, and he's in his first year. Now, the general manager is basically the person who tells you what the ingredients are, and your coach is the guy who cooks it. So he's the one putting together these pieces, or at least deciding what's going to be in the dish. And he had just inherited a team the year before that had only won 55 games out of 162. The Tigers were the worst team at scoring runs, and they got rid of the two guys that scored them the most runs. Their best pitcher had been traded, and the guy who finished out games in the most high-pressure situations, well, he was gone too. A lot of times teams will will do this because they want to bring up young, talented players and give them a chance to play. 
So the Tigers did that. But the problem is, is that the Tigers farm system, which is a nickname used for minor league baseball, was terrible. It, it was really, really bad. It was an empty cupboard. Only two Tigers players were among Baseball America's top 100 prospects. So that means that out of 100 guys who are the most exciting up-and-coming players, Detroit only had two. This team was an extraordinary kind of bad getting ready for the season. When I started off, I said that they were horrible without a good reason for being horrible. The team that has the most losses in all time in Major League Baseball are the 1962 New York Mets. Now, the New York Mets that year lost 120 games, but they were an expansion team, and an expansion team isn't supposed to be good. They're a collection of castoffs and misfits put together because, hey, we got a team in this city now and we have to have bodies to put out there to field it. Most expansion teams are downright unwatchable. These Tigers are not an expansion team. They're 102 years old. These Tigers weren't bad because they were rushing up future Hall of Famers like Justin Verlander or Miguel Cabrera. They weren't bringing up the crop of players that would lead them into a glorious future. In fact, Baseball Prospectus, which is sort of the Bible for baseball statisticians, these guys are huge nerds, and I love them for it. They are definitely my kind of people. And here's what they said about these young players, and it's brutal. Quote, The Tigers' young talent wasn't just bad. It was, in many cases, below replacement level. This not only hurt the Tigers on the field in 2003, it hurts them into the future because their young players were so bad that few of them ever project to reach mediocrity. Ouch. Could you imagine if Twitter was around back then and somebody said that about you? So let's get to know a little bit about these 2003 Detroit Tigers. Before opening day that year, the Tigers had the 24th highest payroll in all of baseball. So there's 30 teams and the Tigers are paying the 24th best on opening day which is just $1 million below the famous Oakland Athletics Moneyball team. You know, that's the movie where Brad Pitt is the genius with Jonah Hill and they figure out a way to break baseball. There's a great part in that movie where Brad Pitt, to try to make it as simple as possible for the audience to understand, says, we're card counters at the blackjack table. Well, if the Oakland Athletics are card counters at the blackjack table, the Detroit Tigers are there and we've got Uno cards. That famously cheap team. That team is only paying their players $1 million more. And if you've seen that movie, you know how cheap that team was. The Tigers are listed in the Sports Illustrated preseason rankings 29th out of 30. They're not supposed to be the worst team. They're supposed to be the second worst team. The worst team in baseball that year was supposed to be the Tampa Bay Double Rays, who were entering into their fifth season, had a payroll of under $20 million, and would end up winning 20 more games than the Tigers. So now that the expectations have been set for the season, how about we go ahead and meet your 2003 Detroit Tigers? So on top of getting a new general manager, the guy who bought the ingredients, the Tigers were also getting a new coach. Quote, this is a day that I'm very proud of, Alan Trammell said on October 9th, 2002, the day he was named manager of the Detroit Tigers. 
He had been a first base coach for the Padres the previous three seasons. He was the Tigers' fifth manager in seven years. This is a streak of managerial changes that start after the 17-year-long reign of Hall of Fame manager Sparky Anderson. Uh, that comes to an end in 1995 when he retires. So the Tigers knew they were going to be in trouble this year. They had hired a new coach, and the coach they hired wasn't just some nobody to Tigers fans. He was a legend. Alan Trammell was hired as the Tigers' new coach on October 9th, 2002, saying, This is the day that I'm very proud of. He had been the first base coach for the Padres the past three seasons. He was the Tigers' fifth manager in seven years. Trammell was a legend in the Motor City. He's incredibly popular. Alan Trammell is still popular in Detroit. He's my favorite player. If you were to go get a baseball card that Little League players have, and on the back it says, you know, who's your favorite player? Mine said Alan Trammell. This is a guy who was most valuable player of the 1984 World Series. He almost hit 500 in the Fall Classic against the Padres, meaning he got on base half the time he showed up to the plate. He is incredible. He gave the Tigers in 1984 their first World Series since 1968. They haven't won it since. And in 2018, Trammell's going to be inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. He's a six-time All-Star. He's a four-time Gold Glove winner. He can hit. He can field. He's the perfect guy to mentor a young team. Trammell is the total package. Fans were ecstatic that he was going to be a part of this team. Something felt right about seeing Alan Trammell again in the old English D uniform of the Detroit Tigers. And just to give you an idea... Alan Trammell and fellow Hall of Famers Al Kaline and Ty Cobb are the only players who have ever played over 20 seasons for the Tigers. This is exciting. We're, we're going to suck, but man, we're going to suck with a legend at the helm. It's kind of the equivalent of if you see a leak coming out of a wall and in the cartoon they put their finger into it to try to stop it and then the whole wall falls down. That's what happened to Trammell. He took over a team that was 55 and 106 the previous season. So they weren't necessarily world beaters. They had tied Tampa Bay for the worst mark in the majors, and they had not had a winning season since 1993. So 10 years earlier is the last time the Tigers were any good. And Trammell, he was still playing during this time. Former players that season, they looked back fondly on Trammell. First baseman Carlos Pena, said, quote, for him to go into that season and take in these young players that pretty much didn't know how to play the game. We weren't playing well. We weren't executing. We couldn't even execute a play like a hit and run play or a bunt to move the runner over. It was just basic game fundamentals. We struggled to do so. That has to be so frustrating for someone who was the total opposite, who was so good at fundamentals as a player. And yet, he always kept his cool. He always remained positive. He always kept his work ethic. So he was the first one to come up to me and say, hey, Carlos, let's go catch some ground balls at first base. To hear this quote from a player on a Major League Baseball team just shows you how much work Trammell and his staff had to put into this season. And Trammell did it lovingly. He did it willingly. He did it with a sense of pride. Trammell would only get to manage in the major leagues for three seasons. After this brief stint with the Tigers, he would go back to being a bench coach. And he'd be a bench coach on some winning teams. He deserved so much better 
than what happened to him in 2003. And there's a reason that even today in 2018, he still got a job with the Tigers. So after Trammell's playing career was over and until the 2003 season, Detroit had a 10-year losing streak. But somebody on that team had to be good, and that person was a dynamo. He played right field. He was a brash kid with a big mouth from Philadelphia. And man, did he have a cannon for an arm. Right fielder Bobby Higginson always seemed like an overachiever. He played hard, and he would have been beloved as a contributor on a winning team. He wasn't a guy you would build your team around, even as one as bad as Detroit. Higginson was very much the embodiment of what Detroit loves in a player. I mean, he could have been a Red Wing, which is the highest compliment somebody could have given a guy back in the late 90s in Detroit. Higginson was the kind of guy that says, oh yeah, you're gonna doubt me? Well, watch. I'm gonna prove you wrong. Almost every kid playing pickup games in Metro Detroit back in the late 90s wanted to be Bobby Higginson. He led the American League in assists three times, which means that his arm was so good that he could throw runners out from the outfield. That's hard work. Higginson made it easy, and he got so many assists because people didn't think a guy like him could throw them out. During his early years with the Tigers, he hit a lot of home runs. And there was a reason for that. Higginson hit left-handed which meant that in the old Tiger Stadium, even a pop-up had a pretty good chance of becoming a home run. There used to be this sort of porch that hung over in right field, making it even shallower than it actually was. So if you hit a ball in the air, it would just carry. And a lot of times it would carry into the seats. Then something awful happened to Bobby Higginson. The Tigers had built a brand new state-of-the-art cavernous baseball stadium, Comerica Park and Comerica Park was incredibly friendly to pitchers. Most of the dimensions of the field were larger and deeper compared to those at Cozy Tiger Stadium. And because of that, Higginson's numbers would take a substantial dive. Being as outspoken as he was, he sarcastically referred to the new ballpark as Comerica National Park. Before the 2003 season, the Tigers would actually move in the dimensions, but Higginson was on the downside of his career and the damage had been done. At this point, a lot of Tiger fans blamed him for the team's failings, since he was the focal point and the star. Chapter two. We were just trying to survive and not embarrass ourselves. Remember how earlier I told you about the nerds in baseball? The people that were really into statistics and sabermetrics? They don't think wins and losses are a stat that you can really control. And honestly, it's not. But don't tell that to the Tigers pitchers this season who would have to start over 30 games for the second worst team in history. Left-hander Mike Maroth, Nate Cornejo, and rookie Jeremy Bonderman were going to have to have this record laid at their feet. They were the ones who, regardless of how bad or how good they played, if they didn't get enough runs from the worst team in history, were going to have to take that big fat L right next to their name. And boy, did they take a lot of Ls. Maroth, Cornejo, and Bonderman finished the 2003 season 1, 2, and 3 in the Major League for losses. It's historic. This is the only time in baseball history that one team has had the top three losingest pitchers. Maroth, 
would go on to lose 21 games that season. He would become the first pitcher in 30 years to lose 20 games. All three of these guys are under 25 years old. Just one season before, Mike Maroth was the youngest member of the starting rotation at 24. Now, a season later, he's 25 and the oldest pitcher with more than 30 starts. Fornejo is 23, Bonderman is 20. No pitcher on this staff is gonna have more than nine wins. Mike Maroth is a personal hero of mine because of this season. He's the unsung hero. If you've been to a baseball game in the middle of July, you know, it's 90 degrees out, it's hot, it's muggy, your team's down seven to two, you can just go home. Mike Maroth can't go home. And not only can he not go home, it's going to be recorded that he was there and that he lost. Mike Maroth deserves our respect, not because of the 21 losses, not because he was an exceptionally good pitcher, but because Mike Maroth went out there and did the job night after night. He lost games because somebody had to lose those games. And Mike Maroth, he didn't get his first win in 2003 until May 23rd. It was his 11th start of the season. Now, Bonderman would go on to have a pretty serviceable career with the Tigers. He would win 14 games in back-to-back -back seasons. But in 2003, he had to learn the hard way. And that hard way was 19 losses, second most in the big leagues. And Nate Cornejo, 2003 was his first full season and his only full season. He would finish the year with 17 losses. He had the lowest strikeout rate of any starting pitcher in over 20 years. And just to let you know, he's one of the two guys mentioned as one of the top 100 prospects in baseball. By 2006, Cornejo's out of the game. So the 2003 season started off with 40,000 plus fans packed into Comerica Park on March 31st to watch the Tigers, not knowing what waited ahead during the season. And here's the thing, the Tigers lost on opening day, and they would proceed to lose their next nine games. In fact, that first month of the season, Detroit lost 21 out of 24 games. When May came around, the Tigers lost their first four games in May as well. But then, they won four in a row which turned out to be their longest winning streak of the season. So in early May, the Tigers have won all the games together. In fact, May was the only month in which the Tigers won double-digit games. During the month of June, much like April, the Tigers only won four games. By the All-Star break, which is the historic middle part of the season, Detroit had 25 wins and 67 losses. They were already 26 games out of first place. So while we're at the All-Star game, I want to take a moment to let you know that Major League Baseball has a rule that requires every team to get a representative in the All-Star game. Even the 67 lost Tigers, a team on pace to break the record for most losses in a single season, hey, you get an All-Star and the Tigers' all-star that season was a player named Dimitri Young. In fact, he didn't get a chance to play in the game. I'm telling you about Dimitri Young for one reason and one reason only. He has one of the best nicknames ever. Dimitri Young was known as the Meat Hook. Dimitri Young liked the nickname so much, he actually has a Meat Hook tattoo on his body. That's incredible. And if you leave this podcast knowing only a few things about the 2003 Tigers, know that they were a really bad team whose only all-star was nicknamed a meat hook, and that wins and losses are a bogus stat in baseball. Well, at least for pitchers. For teams, they mean a lot. 
That's why I'm telling you this story, because this team lost a lot of games. Anyways, I've digressed. Back to the season of sadness. When September started, the Tigers already had 102 losses, and the all-time losingest record was well within their reach. But here's when something incredible happens. Chapter 3. Six games in September. Let's fast forward to the last six games of the season. The Tigers are 38 and 118. They are 80 games under 500 at this point. They would need four wins in their last six games to avoid baseball's modern record for losses in a season. They were pulling into Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City, having lost 16 of their last 17 games. On September 23rd, the Tigers opening day starter Mike Maroth He'd already lost 21 games. He was taking the mound in Kansas City to face the Royals, who were 82-75 and 75 on the year. The game was meaningless to them, but the Tigers, they won the game. When Maroth left in the fifth inning, the Tigers were winning by five runs. They actually won this game 15-6. The next game was September 24th. Remember how earlier in the podcast I'd mentioned that Carlos Pena, the former player, was talking about how Trammell was teaching the guys basic fundamentals? Well, Detroit came out that game playing to win. It's September 24th. You have 118 losses on the season. You're playing a meaningless game in Kansas City. And Detroit lays down a bunt in the first inning to advance a runner. This is how desperate things are. The Tigers would eventually win this game too. So that's two wins in a row. Detroit has staved off again infamy. They just keep going. But they were done with Kansas City. Detroit was coming home. It was September 25th. The Tigers were going to finish the season with a four-game series against the champions of the American League Central, the Minnesota Twins. Now, the Twins had nothing to play for. They were getting ready for the divisional series. The Tigers were going into this series needing three wins in the next four to avoid becoming the worst team of all time. And keep in mind, they had not won more than four games all season, so a sweep might be out of the question. That night on September 25th, the game went into extra innings. Detroit would win on a walk-off home run. They had won their 41st game of the year. Again, the Tigers had staved off history. The next night, September 26, goes to extra innings again. The Tigers games, these games just won't end. They won't give up. This team will not quit. They may be bad, but they're not about to be that bad. The Tigers, though, they lose this game. They've got 119 losses with two games to go. If they split the series, they have 120. They tie the Mets for the worst team of all time. If they lose the last two games, the Tigers would have lost 121 games on the season. Everything is on the line for Detroit. Nothing is on the line for Minnesota. The stakes are medium. So it's September 27th. Minnesota starts off the game hammering the Tigers. They're up 8-1 to one in the seventh inning. Think about that. There's two innings to go. You're down 8-1. to one. You're a 119-loss baseball team. Just give up. But this team does not give up. The Tigers went into the ninth inning of that game with a sense of urgency. They had tied the game going into the ninth. And what's incredible, they win the game. 
but they don't just win the game in your typical, the hero sends the ball over the right field fence, fireworks go off, it's the natural. They win the game because the Tigers player, Warren Morris, struck out. But here's the thing, in baseball, if you get struck out and the catcher doesn't catch the ball, it's a fair play. You can start going, go to first base, run as fast as you can, which is exactly what happens. Morris advances to first and Detroit steals home. There was a player on third base, Alex Sanchez. He stole home and the Tigers win the game in the bottom of the ninth. It's nine to eight, game's over. Detroit will not be the worst team in history. At worst, they can tie the Mets. At best, they finish with one less loss. And here's the thing, the last game of the season, you'll never guess who's on the mound. It's Mike Maroff. He's got 21 losses. Opening day was 162 games ago. It was March 31st. Here we are at the end of September, and your team has lost 119 games. You personally have been credited with 21 of them. The Tigers, they win this game, and they win this game easily. By the end of the sixth inning, the Tigers are up big time. The Minnesota Twins, they don't care. They're going to the playoffs to play the Yankees. But for the Tigers, they're just gonna finish with 119 losses. Mike Maroth gets his ninth win of the season, and Detroit did this in front of 18,959 fans. There has been a lot of Tiger baseball seasons. This was the worst, and on the last day, the stadium had fans in it. In fact, during the 2003 season, Detroit gets an attendance of over 1.3 million people. That's about 16,892 a game to see this team. And just like that, the season's over. The 2003 Tigers go into the history book. The next year, the Tigers finish 72 and 90. The year after that, 71 and 91. That's an improvement of almost 30 games, but it still cost Alan Trammell his job. And at the end of the 2005 season, Bobby Higginson finally succumbed to injury and he retired. Higginson, being a class act, took out a full page ad in the Detroit Free Press, thanking the fans for their support during his time with the team. Much like Trammell, Higginson had only ever played for the Tigers. About three years to the date that Alan Trammell was hired as the manager, one season after he was let go, Trammell returned to Comerica Park for the first time since his firing. He was there with Sparky Anderson to participate in pregame festivities, and they were all there because here's the craziest thing about sports. The Tigers, three years removed from 119 losses, and just one season after Bobby Higginson retired having never played for a winning team were in the World Series, the championship of baseball. They were the American League pennant winners. Detroit was hosting the game, and Trammell, he was greeted with a lengthy standing ovation from Tiger baseball fans. Have a season you'd like covered on Good Hustle? Reach out to us at goodhustlepodcast.com. Good Hustle is created, written, edited, and hosted by Andrew Mackey. Find me on Instagram at, at @hellomackey or on Twitter at Andrew Mackey.